All right, the book of Titus tonight, Titus chapter number two, Titus chapter number two, and we've already enjoyed the music outstanding, and I look forward to uh, the few minutes we have this morning, uh, this evening uh, in our time of message, and we'll be in Titus chapter number two, and I'm going to read a few verses uh, for our text this evening, and I'm going to do my best to be um, brief-ish, and so, uh, because I don't want to keep you out too late tonight. Uh, with the presentation at the end of the service, but there is something the Lord has put on my heart uh, that I want to preach to us that I think will be important for us uh, in this day that we live in, uh, not just where we are as a church, but the day we live in, things to be reminded of. Titus chapter number 2, and I'm going to read uh, beginning with verse number 11, and I'm going to read down through verse number 14. Uh, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And by by the way, that's not a Baptist doctrine, that's a Bible doctrine. Uh, Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I'm going to use these four verses as our text verse this evening, and I want to speak on this subject. Let's keep things in perspective. Let's keep things in perspective. Father, help us tonight uh, as we look at your word. I pray the Spirit of God would be our teacher, our instructor. And Father, may we allow him to work in our hearts this evening. Father, may we realize that you've put us here at this time, in this day, that's not an accident, that's on purpose. You have a work for each of us to do. Well, my work now is to stand behind this pulpit and preach your word, but all of us have something to do for you. May we realize the importance of that. May we realize the importance of our church, and where would we be without the church? Father, I pray tonight you'll help us, strengthen us, for it's in Christ's name we pray, Amen. I enjoy reading the book of Titus. It's a short book. It is with First and Second Timothy, often referred to as the pastoral epistles. As Paul gives instruction to uh, that next generation, gives instruction to Timothy and Titus in those young pastors of requirements of a pastor, that things are supposed to take care of. And Titus is an interesting one. Uh, it's a very short book, but it's full of so much instruction. And Paul speaks to Titus, and we see in uh, verse number one, I'm sorry, chapter number one, verse number five, uh, he tells him, I've I've leaving you in Crete uh, so that you you can set some things in order in the church. And if if Titus, and I believe the characters on the pages of Scripture, they were flesh and blood just like you and I are flesh and blood. Uh, They they were men just like we are men. And and I know what it was like to be a, a young preacher at one time, and I can imagine Titus saying, okay, Paul has said, it's time to go. Paul is putting me, with with the help of the Lord, in the ministry. He is sending me to Crete, and and I'm going to be there to minister. I'm going to be there. He said, and Paul says he's going to give him some instructions, some things to set in order. I can imagine how exciting Titus must have been. But as we continue to read, we begin uh, to, to get an idea of some of the things that Paul is giving instruction under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to Titus to tend to. 
He gives in, in the next few verses some qualifications of a pastor, some qualifications that a pastor must fall under, and, and he gives those, and that's certainly understandable. If, if, if someone's going to hold that office, uh, the, the, the office of the pastor, there are some things that uh, he must hold to. But then he gets to verse number 9, he says, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able to be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. That's the responsibility of the pastor, to exhort and to convince. That's a great responsibility. Titus is excited and Paul is saying, this is what you're going to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to set in order. These are the qualifications of a pastor. And this is what his responsibility is. The reason why I'm telling you in verse 9 what, what, what you need to be, be willing and able to do. Because in verse 10, I, I, I'm writing and saying, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Welcome to the ministry, Titus. Oh, the ministry, it's... It's wonderful that it is. And, oh, everybody loves the Lord like I love the Lord. And Paul says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Verse 11, Whose mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses. Teaching things that they ought not. That sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? Titus, the young man in the ministry, Paul said, I'm sending you to Crete. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm sending you. And you're going to set some things in order in the church. And of course, the Holy Spirit is, is giving this instruction through, the, through Paul. And he says, you're going to, they, these qualifications need to be met. And that's, that's, that, that's a full-time job in itself. But there's not some up there, and, and they want to subvert whole houses, and their mouths need to be stopped. Why do they do it? For filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Christians are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Wow. I don't even know what to say about that. Verse 13. This witness is true. Uh, Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Okay, Titus. It, it is time for you. I'm sending you. Welcome to the ministry. I'm sending you to Crete. These are the qualifications of a pastor. Now, there are some, they're teaching things that they should not be teaching. There are some, uh, they, they're trying to subvert whole houses. Uh, they, 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 they're of a certain kind. And, and, and I'm sending you there, and I want you to preach the gospel. You're going to preach, but you're going to rebuke them. I just want to preach the love of Christ. I just want to tell people about Jesus. I'm, you're going to rebuke them because... They're subverting whole houses. Can you, can you realize, you see the pressure that's just mounting and mounting? And friend, in this day we live in, there, there, there is false teaching that will subvert whole houses. The scripture tells us there's many that's going to say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're sincere in what they believe, but they have been taught wrong. Part of what our responsibility is as a church is preaching the gospel is that right doctrine. So he gives him this responsibility to rebuke them sharply. They may be sound in the faith. That's the reason. Uh, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Stick with the word, Titus. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Paul continues, 
It's time, it's time for you to go. Set these things in order. There's some things you're going to deal with. Let me, just, let, me just, let me just help you, Titus. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. This is the reality of what you're facing. But if that's not enough, these that their, their mind and conscience is defiled, he continues in verse 16, they profess that they know God. They'll talk about Him a lot. But what does the Bible say? But in works they deny Him. Can you imagine Timothy reading this letter? Or Titus, can you imagine him? Okay, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Thank you, Lord, for putting me in the ministry. I'm ready to go. You're going to Crete? Oh, man. If he had had a social media account, he'd have put, I'm going to Crete. And he would have put a hashtag, Titus and Crete. I mean, he'd have, been, he'd, have been, he'd have been ready to go and excited and on his way. And then the gravity of the situation. These are the requirements. This is your responsibility. And this is what you're going to face. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. That does not even make sense. I profess to know God and I know Him. And I want my life to show that, that there are some that profess and, and their works deny Him. And then it continues in verse 16, chapter 1, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. I'm not as excited anymore about the ministry. Because of what I'm going to face. I'm excited God's sending me. But the gravity of the situation. God's business is serious business. The requirements that God puts on his church. The requirements that God puts on a pastor are still. The scripture still speaks to that. There is still a responsibility to hold fast the faithful word has been taught. And the, and the longer I'm in the ministry and the longer I preach, the older I get, I realize how important that is and how many try and pry it from your hands. We're to hold fast because souls are at stake. And there's some, it's the doctrine that rebukes them. He said, there are some, they're speaking things that, that, that should not be said. And, and, and it, is, it, 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 is, it is pretty low to, to somebody seeking an answer for their soul and then telling them what they need to, that they want to hear just so you can make a buck off of them. Scripture speaks to that. He says, Titus, I know, I know you're, you're that next generation. But rebuke them sharply. You know, it's, you can work up a pretty good sermon when you're by yourself. And I'm going to tell them this, and I'm going to say Jesus said this, and then when you face them, rebuke them sharply. The heaviness of the responsibility. While we are to be seeking the souls of men, Satan is trying to deceive the minds of men so that they'll never come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's excited about going to Creek. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Okay, chapter 1 is done. 
Paul, give me some encouragement. Chapter 2. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Then he begins to give responsibility to the aged men to be an example to the younger. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. And that's still a responsibility today. The, the, the greatest thing for a, for, for a new Christian to see is the example of those that have been saved. And, and to see the way they live and to see they may not understand everything that they, 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 they may not know everything they need to know about the word of God, but they see an example says we have a responsibility. He says those Asian men need to be an example. And I, I can imagine Titus, okay, I, I can deal with that. Then he says in verse 3, now the aged women... Likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, uh, not giving too much wine, teachers of good things. So the aged women ought to be an example. They shouldn't just sit around and gossip about everything. They ought to be an example to the younger women. Maybe at this point, Titus is thinking, I'm a little bit out of my element here. Why is Paul sending me to Crete and not going himself? We have these responsibilities and all these things he, he says to, to teach and to do. And he ends the chapter 3, at the end he, he refers to the heretics and how to at first and second admonition reject them. There's a lot of instruction, a lot of responsibility for Titus the preacher as he goes to minister to God's churches. Are you with me? It would be very easy for Titus to get, get caught up in all of those vain talkers and deceivers. It would be easy for him to be consumed with just those who subvert whole houses. It's part of what he's supposed to be concerned with. It would be easy for him, and it is a serious matter. And, and young men who want to be in the ministry, it is a serious matter how the man of God lives and those who hold the office of the pastor, if you're not willing to live the life, don't take the, 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 the title of pastor. There is a responsibility, but there is a danger of just being consumed. I want to make sure I'm living the way I'm living, and I want to be consumed with that. There's a lot of responsibility coming on Titus. There are false teachers. I have responsibility. I've got to train the aged men and instruct them on how to be an example to the younger generation. And then the aged women, I've got to tell them, stop gossiping. Stop talking about everything and be an example. And take those younger ladies and show them and instruct them. And there's going to be heretics. And I've got, to after, I've got to admonish them, and after the second admonition, break fellowship with them. People that I know, people that I care about. I didn't know all of this when I surrendered. I didn't know all of this when I said, Oh Lord, here am I, send me. But now I have all of these things, and, and stay with me, church. Any one of them can consume me. But tucked at the end of chapter number 2 are verses that keep things in perspective. Everything I've mentioned is a reality. 
but we must keep everything in perspective. What is that perspective? It's looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Hey, the, 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 the confronting false teaching, while it is important and it is vital and we ought to know the doctrine of the word of God, let's keep things in perspective. Why is doctrine important? Because he's coming again. Because it is him who died for us. It is him who has redeemed us. In church, we live in a day when not everybody wants to stick with the word of God. Not everybody wants to hear what God has to say. And you know, we, we, we're going to have to stand on the truth of the word of God. And we need to stand on the truth of the word of God. In our nation, we need men who will stand where they ought to stand. And you know that I'm a, I, I'm a, I love reading history. And I can't help you, you read those old founding fathers and they didn't know how it was going to all turn out. They were willing to die and perish for what they believed was true. And we reap the benefits of that today. And we rejoice in that today. But somebody's got to stand in our day in church. It's just a responsibility we have. We have a responsibility to do right. We have a responsibility to press forward and preach the gospel. In this preacher, nothing thrills my heart more than to preach the gospel and have a lost sinner come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have a responsibility to watch them grow. Oh, it thrills my, right underneath seeing them get saved is watching them grow and watch many of you grow over the years in your faith, grow over the years. But we have all of these responsibilities. If we're not careful, we can allow one of the responsibilities that we're supposed to give heed to to take things a little bit out of perspective. There are going to be times when those who hate the truth, oppose those who stand for the truth. So what is our perspective? It's looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a future that we have to look forward to. Titus, I'm sending you to Crete. I'm giving you all the responsibilities. In church, we can say to us, that as this church, God has given us the responsibilities of what his church should be doing in Jacksonville, Florida. There's a lot that goes with that. You cannot wave the flag of doctrine without some taking shots at it. Just like in our own nation, you can't stand for freedom without those who hate freedom opposing it. Now, we, we, get, we, get, we have a responsibility. My responsibility is, is to, to deal with all of these things. As a church, there's much that we have to do. And to, to, to put it in perspective of us on this day, we're excited about what God has done. We're excited about what God is going to allow us to do in the future. We want to reach this world with the gospel. There are things that we will have to deal with along the way. But let's keep everything in perspective. Christian, you're going to have some highs and you're going to have some lows and you're going to have some spiritual battles and you're going to have some responsibility and, and you're going to teach a Sunday school class and you're going to invest in somebody and you're going to watch them grow. But then there's going to be some who fall by the wayside. And while that's heartbreaking, you must keep things in perspective. 
And as a church, we're going to press forward and, and we're, going to, we're going to see God do some amazing things of what He has already done for us. And, but there's going to be times, things along the way that we didn't anticipate. And we thought it was all going to be just nothing but, 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 but blessings. And all, but there's going to be obstacles. We must keep things in perspective. Let me mention just four things tonight of how we keep things in perspective. I'm not going to preach them. I'm just going to mention them. And, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll conclude. But the first thing we see is, in verse 13 is looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We need to anticipate His return. This morning I asked you to think about your salvation. Think about when you got saved. Rejoice in it. And tonight, I'm challenging us to anticipate the return of our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. The trumpet is going to sound. There's going to be some generation that, that, that does not go by the way of the grave. But all the saints are called home by God Himself. Oh, would that be this generation? Would that be the day we live in? I would say, well, I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, something that I have learned in my life, if you're looking for him, you're probably going to live a little bit different than if you're not looking for him. Wouldn't it be great if he'd come today? Well, I remember always thinking, Lord, come back before test day when I was in school. Or the day before that research paper was due. Oh, that blessed hope, that blessed hope. Where's it at? Where's it at? We must anticipate his return. Do you believe Christ is coming back or not? That'll keep things in perspective. Many of you, when you got saved, you got involved in church, you said, I'm going to dedicate myself. I'm going I'm to do everything. I'm going to pick up that cross and follow him. I'm going I'm to get involved. I'm going to do it. You didn't realize all that came with that. You say, oh, Pastor didn't tell me all this was going to happen when, when, I, when I decided to dedicate myself to God. This will help you keep things in perspective. We're looking for his return. We're waiting for him to come back. Number two, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. How many of you are saved tonight? Let me see your hand. Born again on your way to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? We have been redeemed from some of our sin. That's not what the Bible says. We have been redeemed. He has redeemed us from all iniquity. Tonight, if you're saved, if you're born again, whether you've been saved for seven days or for 17 years, Jesus paid for all of your sins. Your record is completely clean. It is completely washed away. Live like it. Live victoriously. Oh, I don't know what God has. He may call us home tonight, or he may, he, may, he may call me home through the grave in the very near future, but I know this, the time comes when I enter into the presence of God, I'll never give an account of one sin. I'll never answer for one sin because I've been redeemed from all iniquity. 
if He has redeemed us from all of our sin and we'll never have to spend a moment, not an instant, in that horrible place called hell, don't you think we as God's people ought to keep things in perspective with our burdens and with our heartaches and our opposition? I'm redeemed. I've been redeemed from all iniquity and I can live victoriously. There's nothing that I cannot overcome through the same blood that has given me salvation. The same righteousness that has been imputed to me. There's nothing that I cannot have victory over. Shouldn't God's people put a smile on their face? Throw their shoulders back. Say, what's so special about you? Oh, there's nothing special about me. But let me tell you what is special. I have a Savior who redeemed me from not part of my sins, not half of my sins, but all of my sins. If you're saved tonight, you have been redeemed from all iniquity. There is no sin that's going to drag you to hell because Jesus' blood has covered it all. Let's keep things in perspective. Let's live victoriously. Well, I've got a lot of responsibility. The ministry's piled on me. Let's keep it in perspective. Well, there's some who served with me and they left. Let's keep it in perspective. Nobody can take your salvation away from you. If you, get, you lose everything else, keep it in perspective. I'm saved and I don't deserve it. I'm forgiven, and I haven't earned it. I have been redeemed from all iniquity. Live victoriously. Third thing that will keep things in perspective for us. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. And that word peculiar does mean strange, but it doesn't mean in a weird way like some try to be peculiar. I think some Christians take that literally. And I'm just going to be as weird as I possibly can. That's not what it's, it's... it means strange in the sense that we are different from this world. Which will seem peculiar. But the third thing I'll mention that, that keep it in perspective tonight is we're to be consecrate, we have to consecrate ourselves to him. I've illustrated this many times, I don't have time to illustrate it tonight. But the doctrine of separation, this idea of how my life should be lived. We get this backwards. In the meantime, in our Baptist churches, we separate ourselves from things in the world and separate from the world. It's not about separating from the world. It's about separating to Christ. I don't. I don't ever. And, and, and sometimes, and sometimes, I mean, the Bible is what the, the Bible says. What the Bible says. But my emphasis to you is more. Consecrate yourself to Christ. And I'll use the term rules. They'll take care of themselves. And that's the thing we got to realize. See, I get asked this all, several times, all, many times. What, what, what do you believe down, down in your church? Well, we believe the Bible. That's my short answer. What do you believe beyond that? Simply... I want to push the people that assemble at the Emmanuel Baptist Church to just be more like Jesus. That keeps it in perspective. How should the aged men, how should the aged ladies live like Christ? How should the younger generations live like Christ? We, and we do get caught up in this. We, we, because... 
because the Bible does speak, and it speaks to Titus. There are some who are living how they should not live. But friend, we have a response. I'm going to give an account of me living how I'm supposed to live. And if we're not careful with all that comes with pleasing our God, all that comes in the ministry, all that comes as a church, and all that we have to contend with in this spiritual warfare that we are engaged in, we can get bogged down in a specific direction, and we have to keep things in perspective, and I want to be consecrated unto my God. When, when did it become a bad thing amongst church people to be more like Christ? When, when did that become bad? I, I, have a, I have a philosophy that I live by. I have a lot that I live by. Uh, but one I live by is if somebody has a higher standard than me, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to mock somebody's standard that's higher than mine. Because there's probably some areas in my life that I have, a, because I don't know what they've dealt with in their past. I don't know the circumstances around. If somebody wants to live by a higher standard, why do we, why do we throw rocks at that? Often I'm asked by new Christians, and I'm asked by even people who've been saved for a while, Pastor, is this right to do? Is this right to do? Is this right to do? And here's a patent answer. Just do everything the Spirit of God impresses upon you to do. Do everything that this book commands you to do. You, you know, many of you have been here for years. There's very specific, there's very few times I ever mention specific things. Because my emphasis is be more like Christ. Be more like Christ. Be more like Christ. And somebody that sits over here might have something in their life. That they need to get, get rid of and set a standard that somebody over here doesn't have the same issue with. But if I'm always preaching on that one thing, somebody over here is like, yep, I'm good enough. Get them, pastor. Park there a while. Because it's not your weakness. We got to be careful that we don't get stuck on some of those things. But we ought to Allow him to purify unto himself. I want, this is my heart, I believe it's your heart. I want the one who died for the church to be pleased with the church. We've been in this location now for a few months. We have not passed out a survey to the community of what they want in the church. Because God has told us what he expects in a church. Now, as you've, you have seen, anybody's welcome here. Anybody will be loved who comes here. Anybody will have an opportunity to learn if they come. But I want us all to become more like Christ. 2020 is coming up, and and I don't, I'm not certain what kind of year you may have had or, or not had this year, but in the new year, I decide I want to be more like Christ. I want to be more like Christ. But Pastor, what do you want in the vision? We're going to show some tangible things in a moment, but more than that, in a spiritual manner, I want us all to consecrate ourselves in a greater way to be more like Him. Let's keep it in perspective. Then fourthly and finally, we see in the same verse, verse 14, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. 
zealous of good works. I'm afraid some Christians read that as passive of good works. I only go to a church where I'm not pushed as hard. Zealous of good works. Friend, I've got one life that I can live for my Lord. You've got one life you can live for your Lord. The fourth thing I'll mention that to keep everything in perspective, let's do all that we can while we can. Do all that we can while we can. I want to reach every person with the gospel that we can possibly reach with the gospel. I, 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 I want to do all that we can to bring honor to the name of our God. 